In today's episode, we continue our conversation with Patricia about her story with Jesse. I, I've talked about therapy. Yeah, I have. Okay. Um, and uh, he doesn't want to do therapy. He thinks yeah. he's fine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we'll see. That's not the I point. Said, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> the point yeah, is, you know, if you need it, then, yeah, if you're going to need it, then he needs to participate, yeah. you know. Yeah, sure. I think once, yeah. once he gets out, it's, he'll have a different view on Probably. it. Probably, yeah. I mean, I just think, like he his, him telling me that he's just going to get a flip phone. He doesn't need a smartphone. I laughed at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a beeper. Or he went to the beeper. He did say that. He did say that. But you have to understand, when he went to prison, yeah, that was, there, that was there the thing. There weren't cell phones. Right. I don't yeah. think there were cell phones. So, there weren't, they were, yeah, yeah the, I think the cell phone was barely coming out. Uh, there wasn't the internet. So he doesn't know any, hardly anything about the internet. He hardly doesn't know anything about um, computers or smartphones. Or like mm-hmm. Kathy said, smartphones where you can go and do all these things on the smartphone. He, to him, is like, what? So sometimes I'll send him pictures of things, you know, from what's going on. And he's just amazed that you can do all these things on the phone. And um, like, well, that's what, you know, when you come out, then these are the things that, that you'll have. And, oh, no, no, no. I just need a phone. <laughs> like, okay, let's get you a flip phone then. They're still around. <laughs> yeah. So he's very, he's very old school. So he's like, I can just go to, um, you know, some company and just say I want a job. And I'm, I'm trying to tell him, this is not 1980, Jesse. You could do that in 1980. You can't do that now. Right. Everything's done online. And you interview online and mm-hmm. you do all these things online. So it's a, it's a the culture is different and right. the mentality of it is different. Nothing changed back there in prison because everything's ex- exactly the same. Right. Prison system doesn't, they don't use up-to-date computer systems. Their system is very old. And they like it that way. Mm-hmm. It can't be hacked. Um, I'm sure it could, but you know, they like, they like their slow system. So. So do you have any support for you to be such a support for Jesse? Like, Mm -hmm. um, I talked to Kathy a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I talked to Kathy a lot. I talked to my friends. Um, a lot of my coworkers don't, they don't know anything about Jesse. I don't go, uh, advertising that I'm, married to an inmate because one, I get a lot of questions and then I get a lot of looks and then I'm getting, well, how could you do that? And how does that work? And, and they don't know anything about prison system or prison life or being married to an inmate. Um, so it's almost like they kind of, they kind of see differently after that. So I don't, I don't tell a lot of people. And when I mentioned that on to, on Bob's, uh, podcast, it was, um, well, why don't, why don't you say anything that, you know, what, you know, what, what do you care for whatever I think? And, and on, on one aspect, that's true. I don't care what people think, but on the other hand, I don't go and advertise my business. My, I live a very private life when I'm at work and I'll do a lot of talking about, about myself or my life. And, uh, and I like it that way. You know, I'm there to do a job and not to discuss my life. <laughs> or anybody in my life. Um, they know I have a husband. They know I have grandchildren, and I leave it that. I leave it at that. So, and I tell, you know, people who I'm very close to, they know. And, then, and that's all I need. Mm-hmm. 
like I said, I joined the um, um, Facebook group for inmate wives. I'm doing that. And sometimes I'll, I'll ask questions in there and see how all the other wives kind of deal with stuff. And basically, all of us are the same. And I've come to find out we're all the same. We are there to be our husband's sounding board. We're not there to give them advice. Uh, we're not there to tell them what to do because I hear that enough of that in prison. Um, we still love them for the attitudes that they have because they have high days and they have low days. We understand that they we can't bring anything to the table uh, when it comes to their situation. Mm. Um, we can only, you know, accept them for what they are and uh, hope they're out soon. And then once they're out, then that's when we all decide um, things will be better. Things will be different. Mm. You'll be different. And, uh, and that's what I come to find out being in that support group. So that we all have a common denominator, which is trying to get our, our husbands back home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's also the reason why I asked about the podcast, uh, Truth and Justice, because you're a private person and Jesse is also a very private person. So I just mm-hmm. thought it must have been overwhelming for you and maybe, yeah, challenging or scary or whatever to to share yes. your story. Oh, yeah, definitely. For Jesse, it was, I, w- I just want to talk about this case with Bob and whoever else wants to listen. And that's it. Don't ask me anything else personal. Um, and, you've heard, and if you have heard the podcast, which Ellen and Kathy have, um, you've heard him get choked up. You've heard him tear up. Um, his his voice getting very emotional, very towards the end of this podcast um, when it ended. Um, he was very emotional at that point. And it was um, a big transformation from the very first day of podcast uh, recording to the last day of podcast recording. Um, very emotional for me that I had all of these people, you and Kathy um, and and Pam and uh, Kelly Zappas and Jennifer and um, and Renee and Fran, <laughs> all these you can people. Keep going and going. <laughs> I know I could, <laughs> and if I didn't mention you guys, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, that they just came out of the woodwork and were just very so supportive and just like we totally understand and we do believe Jesse's innocent um, because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that everybody understands Jesse did not do this case, and you know all these factors played in in him being convicted. And he's been sitting in prison for 28 years. Do you want to do you want to feel sorry for him? Sure. But Jesse does not want anybody to feel sorry for him, including me. And when he feels like I'm feeling sorry for him, that's when he gets the most irritated. I don't want you feeling sorry for me. If you decide to leave me tomorrow, I'm still gonna love you, but I understand. And the same thing with Jesse. If Jesse comes out and even though we're married and it doesn't work, that's okay too. Jesse got out, he's happy, and if he needs to move on, then he can move on. Um, and I've told him that, and he just he just looks at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> no, I'm not going to leave you. <laughs> But that's pretty much where we where we are um, at this point, is waiting for um, Allison to complete the writ of habeas so she can submit that to the courts and hopefully go from there. Um There's so much that there's so much that uh, that happened that she discovered that Bob discovered um, that we still don't really know. We don't know everything. 
Um, I've been told uh, that I'm too emotional. Sometimes I get upset, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, sometimes I've directed that at Kathy, and I've <laughs> apologized profusely because. Um, Yeah. And it's, but it's so frustrating. It's really, really frustrating. And I try not to get so emotional. And I think that's the reason why after these last five years, um, uh, dealing with innocent project and Allison, this case that Jesse and I have moved towards, we just, we try not to talk about this case and we don't talk about ourselves either. And we don't talk about our marriage. Um, We kind of put everything on hold. And maybe that's a bad thing until uh, he gets out and then we'll really start everything over again. Because we know each other now on paper. We know how we feel about each other. We know about our lives and what we've been doing for the past 15 years and before. Um, But we're also, we also are not under the illusion that we're going to have to relearn each other once he gets out. Mm -hmm. We may not want to live live together. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Yeah. Yeah. Although he says it'll be fine. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. I'm Jesse is going to be 59. I'll be 58. And I've lived with no, no other person. I mean, except for my children. Right. Um, for the last uh, 20 years since, yeah, 22 years. And uh, so I have to relearn really how to live with another, another person now. Right. Who's my husband. <laughs> yeah. So on one hand, I'm excited, and on the other hand, I'm kind of leery about that. I know. I've lived with my husband for 36 years, and I still think separate houses are a really good idea. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't convince him, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jesse has a, Jesse still has a lot of, a lot of anxiety where he doesn't get a lot of sleep. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, well, that will change when you get out because, now you're out and it's like this big relief that you're not having to wake up every day in prison and things like that. But I think it's still going to be much more than that. Prison has, on the one hand, it hasn't really changed who he is. He's still the same guy he was ever since we were little. But on the other hand, it's, it's made him more of an OCD, made him have more anxiety um, and just the mentality of things. Where he's, where again, he's just a very matter of fact person. And I'm like, no, no, because um, uh, Jesse reconnected with both of his daughters um, during this last 15 years, and mm-hmm. one during the and during the podcast. So, um, and that's made him really happy about that. But he still has this idea of parenting, and he never got a chance to raise his children, and he never got a chance to see his grandchildren and, and play with them. So he has this really idea of how he wants that family to be but then on the other hand he has to understand that he may not get the family that he wants he may not get the closeness or the bond that he that he's missing from his children mm-hmm. because they don't know him right they don't know who he is i mean they know who he is but they don't see him as their dad mm-hmm. you know and so that kind of that really bothers him because he wants you know he wants that bond and, and the bond's not there that you would have with the parent and child Right. And uh, he has to understand that he may never get answers as to why uh, Troy did what he did. Because mm-hmm. Troy can't even articulate it. Right. You know, when Troy was taken, when Troy recanted and, and took the polygraph, because they gave him a polygraph at the DA's office, talked to him for six hours, took all these statements from him, 
and this was two years ago with Allison, um, the polygraph uh, um, person asked him, flat out asked him, what took you so long to recant? And Troy absolutely had no, no answer. He goes, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why it took me so long, you know, uh, and I, and, and we may never know the answer. Uh, we, and just, I told Jesse, he may never have closure about what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause both his biological parents have passed. Um, he may never have any type of closure. His, his, uh, adopted mom and, and dad have passed as well. He still has siblings in Michigan. Um, who still love him and still want to have a, a relationship with him. But at the end of the day, what's really, I think what's really bugging Jesse the most is that he doesn't have answers. He doesn't have answers now as to what's going on with Allison in this case. And he doesn't have answers to why this particular thing happened to him mm-hmm. and why Troy decided to um, turn on him like he did, because he was very, out of everyone, he was the most close to Troy. Right. So he doesn't understand. He's he's never going to understand, and he's not going to get the answers. And I told him, I said, you're you're going to have to um, deal with that, and you're going to have to deal with the fallout of your siblings not not uh, maybe being angry with you for not being there and coming to Dallas um, and not staying in Michigan. There's so many emotions that you're going to have to deal with when you get out, um, mm-hmm. and you're have to you know kind of cope with those because you're never sometimes when things happen you're never going to get an answer right not the answer you want to hear so those are the things that that jesse and i talk about a lot um his his uh, mental health and learning how to how to cope with things and mm-hmm. learning how to just maybe even let things go and uh and there have been times where he's just been so far off the edge where he doesn't want to go on and i've had to pull him away from that yeah. And I've had to argue with him and we've had some pretty bad arguments, but it's always me trying to pull him back and telling him, you know, you have a lot to, you have a lot to live for. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of things have happened to you and he doesn't see the good things. And so I have to list them again. Mm-hmm. And I've had I to list them again. I think he's starting to see some conversations that we've had. He is, you know, he's been um, crediting the podcast, Truth and Justice, and all of us that have come to um, communicate with him mm-hmm. for helping, you know, that's an added thing. Other than, of course, you were the biggest, the biggest um, thing for him to continue on with. I but, hope so. Yeah, you, yeah, but in our conversations, yes, Patricia, he's, you know, um, well, he for, loves you for, so for a while much. There, I thought it was Kathy. He was, <laughs> it was Kathy all the time. <laughs> Kathy, Kathy, Kathy. And I'm like, wait, okay, I'm still here too. I'm uh, Kathy. No, he, he loves you more than anything. So, mm-hmm. um, well, but, <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're good friends. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I know. I like to, I like to tease Kathy a lot about that. Yeah, she does. She's called me his other wife a few times. <laughs> I, bet but, um, I, I have a question to ask, and it's it's gonna be a hard question to to want to answer. Um, but I have to ask it. If you don't want to answer, don't answer it. Um, okay. 
in the beginning, was there ever a doubt in your mind that Jesse did this crime? Or perhaps you didn't have all the facts and you thought, oh, wow, he did this. Like, did, did that ever go through your mind? And if so, how, what changed your mind? Uh, no, that no. never went through my mind. Okay. Because I knew who Jesse was when we were teenagers. Hmm. And I was at the trial. Um, even though I wasn't in the, in the, in the courtroom mm-hmm. and didn't know what happened, I, I, know, the, I know that side of the family mm-hmm. really well. Really, really well. Only because um, Jesse's sister, Christine, married to my brother, David, mm-hmm. and all of the drama they went through with this family. And so, and even after, um, so that was never a question to answer your question. Mm-hmm. That was never a doubt in my mind that he did this. Um, and everyone tried to tell me that, oh, yeah, he did. I'm like, no, he didn't. Mm-hmm. There'd be no way that, that he would have done this. Right. Just a random act of violence. And, uh, and he's not, he's not that type of person. Well, I, I know think, that's pushed, um, no, I mean, not really, because if you know somebody's character, if you know, if they're kind and caring, or if they would like run over and help somebody pick up their groceries, if you know that they're that type of person and they're kind, why would they switch? I'm not trying to put words in your mouth or to say that he is that no. type of person. I'm just saying you, from a young age, you know, somebody's character, whether they're like, Oh, I'm going to go knock this person in the head or you know what I mean? I mean, right. Or run right. over an animal and say, yes, you hit the gas to run over the animal instead of hitting the brakes. Like, you, sometimes you get those little tells that you know how someone is, period. Right. And, um, no, there was never there was never a doubt. Mm-hmm. After, um, after the trial was over, um, you know, of course, we never got called. We all got in. We all were allowed in to the um, uh, final phase. And that was that was awful. <laughs> because when they, when the judge read his, read her verdict, uh, Mr. Gov just shook his head because he just couldn't believe it. Mr. Mr. Gov was not even convinced that Jesse did it. He just, he just like, I don't know what to believe. Who is Mr. Gov? Was he the prosecutor? Mr. Gov is the victim's Oh, the, the victim's, victim's husband. husband. Oh, okay. Yes, because he was on a, and he was of course on the stand too. And, uh, um, Shauna, who was uh, never called, who was Troy's girlfriend at the time, she was crying. His biological parents were just stone faced. Um, I was, I cried profusely. I'm, I had, I couldn't even go back to work. It was wow. that bad. I was, I was just crying. And I met up with Troy in the hall of the courtroom, <coughs> um, the hall courthouse. And I, I looked at him in the face and I will never forget it. And I told him I was crying, just huge, huge, huge. You would, mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. Huge tears were just coming, streaming down my face. Oh yeah. And I told him, I'm like, <laughs> and I told him, I said, Jesse didn't do this. I said, you know, he didn't do this. You know, you lied mm-hmm. and Troy, no tears, no nothing. He goes, no, he did do this, Patricia. You just don't know him. And, um, and that, that was the last conversation I had with that family. And, you know, even uh, Jesse's sister, Christine, tried to tell the judge that the family was lying. And, and the judge didn't believe her. So <laughs> they twisted her words. They made her seem like a disgruntled sibling who was just trying to get back at her family. And uh, 
I mean, the prosecutor was good. He was a good prosecutor. I mean, he twisted everything around to fit the narrative. And, um, but it was, it was, it was a really awful day. I called my job and told him I couldn't go back to work. And, uh, I was still married to my, uh, ex-husband at the time. Mm-hmm. We're still married to him. And, uh, and I think two or three years later, uh, we got divorced. So it was, it was a really hard time, yeah. really hard time for me emotionally. And, uh, of course, not, Jesse was still seeing, still writing his other girlfriend who was trying to also trying to help him with an appeal and things like that. And, uh, uh, of course she, after, I think after 10 years of him being in prison, um, she finally cut him loose. Mm-hmm. So he's been on a, on a huge roller coaster and, uh, trying to talk to someone about that. Um, when I say about talk to him, and try to help him understand that maybe, and this was me, and I still try to tell him this, and I stopped telling him after a while because he got he didn't want to keep hearing it anymore. I said maybe you going to prison was a good thing, Jesse. It stopped you from doing your drugs because mm-hmm. he was a drug addict. I said it stopped you from drinking, it stopped you from doing drugs, and you were on a road to destruction, self destruction, mm-hmm. because you, for whatever reason. I said, but your family did not have a good life. Your your brothers returned to alcohol and drugs as well. And they look at them now. They're not happy people. Your sister's not happy. Mm-hmm. I said, so I said, you know, so they didn't they didn't move on with their life and became this these great people. There's the same still awful people they used to be. And I said, so maybe turn this tragedy into positive and maybe you're going to prison was a good thing you and I reconnected you reconnected with your children Mm -hmm. you know we got married and we're still here 15 years later right so he listens but I don't think he really listens (laughs) I think he just listens just to be nice Mm -hmm. I don't know sometimes (laughs) he doesn't say thanks he he never tells me thanks Patricia for that advice (laughs) so I've told him you know that this is a horrible tragedy but if it hadn't happened we wouldn't have met that's true too. Yeah, I said so, we have some great friends, and um, we met a lot of great people. And uh, but at the end of the day, I I'm still here, and he's still there in prison, and that's all he sees. Right. Excuse me. He, and, and he's like, well, I'm still here, so I want to go. I'm I'm tired, and he's a very tired, uh, very tired man. Yeah. And he well, just wants to live out live out his life. One thing I don't think people understand, you touched on it a little bit, is um, the financial cost of having a loved one in prison. Um, you know, what financially, um, what does it, I mean, you have to pay for phone calls, you have to pay for, um, well, I he's pay got for, I pay for um, uh, stamps. Well, things what, that he benefits from. What are stamps for? for stamps. Stamps are like 44 cents. 44 cents. So you go through, again, uh, prison website. These vendors who go through the prison system, one of them is JPay. They charge you 44 cents for every stamp that you, that you use to send them an email. They can't send anything to you back, but you can send a quick email uh, to him and send uh, cards through the email. 
uh, pictures and things like that. So for like uh, $15, I can get like 10 stamps. And I think each email is like uh, 100 characters, something like that, 100 words, something like that. And it's one, quite a bit. Is it one stamp one per page. email? One. Yeah, it's one stamp per email. Okay. Yep. JP has a lot of, we have a lot of uh, word count for them. Um, I write to Jamie Snow in um, Illinois, and there's a, you're, it's a 2,000 character limit. Yeah, that's not much at all. And uh, JPay has a whole lot more than that. So. Right. Um, so I spend, um, it's $106 to send him $95 because they charge you. So everything you send them, there's a fee. There's an administrative fee. There's a fee for everything. So uh, they up the spend that they can spend in the store. So it's $95 that they can spend um, on their commissary stuff. And it's anything from uh, oatmeal to chips to candy uh, to hygiene products, um, things like that. Uh, they can even buy phone minutes if they wanted to. But since I do the phone minutes, he doesn't do that. Um, I spend money on entertainment. So I send him books. Uh, to read because uh, Jesse's a very avid reader. So he reads lots and lots of books. Um, and I get those books sometimes from um, um, sometimes cheap websites and sometimes Amazon. <laughs> Only because they get there pretty quickly. And then I spend um, money on food because now you can send them food. And so we can go to an e-commerce website and send them um uh, they get a uh, $60 spend on that e-commerce website and I can send them all types of foods. Not, well, I'll take that back. I can only send them foods that are listed in the commissary. So again, whatever he sees in the commissary, I see on this website and I can send it to him. So Jesse's biggest thing right now is coffee. He drinks a lot of coffee. Yeah. And I try to tell him, don't drink so much coffee. <laughs> but he can't, he doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so the financial cost um, at times can be pretty, pretty expensive. If they're going to the store every two weeks, that's $100. And then going to um, buying food, because uh, the only way to get down to the store is if they have a package from the e-commerce waiting for them. So I put, I put, so I buy a package, whatever that's in the e-commerce, I'll buy that. And then he'll go to the store and spend the money in the store. And again, because they're cutting deals behind bars, they're using that that food for foods and services. <coughs> and the barter That's system. Interesting. So all the guys do it, and uh, that's the way that everybody makes money or extra food. Right. So. Does anybody else have any questions for Patricia about you know what this is? like for her um i know you touched on oh sorry good i was thinking i hope i've told you like quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) and it's not all roses right so but go ahead um i know you touched on briefly at the beginning um that it's about like a two and a half hour drive i'm not sure if that part will be in the recording just because of the way our conversation started 
Um, do you mind kind of running the audience through that once more? You said it's about two and a half hour drive. Yeah, it's a two and a half hour drive uh, from Dallas to uh, Gatesville. Um, and it's two. And a, it's a two hour visit. So I can only see it for two hours because I'm, I'm under the uh, miles, which I think is under 300 miles. I only get two hour visit. If I was coming from like out of state, I could see him for four hours. And I can see him back to back, but um, the way it goes, because he's so close to Dallas, I can only get two hours. And because we're married, we get to have um, contact visits, so I can I can give him a kiss. Oh, that's good. Him. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Nice. So and I, can give, I can give him a hug, and that's it. Mm. I don't want anything else. So I don't want you doing anything else. All so. Right. Um, and so it's a two-hour visit, and we and they are very under the clock too. They make sure it's two hours, and, uh, and then you have to leave. So they, you have to go through, uh, which really irritates me at times. Um, you have to be searched when you go in because they don't want you bringing in contraband. So whatever medals you're wearing on your clothing, you they want to make sure that it's actual belongs to the clothing, and you're not trying to bring things in. Mm. So you get pretty pretty patted down pretty well. And, you know, I'm like, I've got to go through this every time I'm here. And uh, and it's not fun for Jesse on that side either because they have to get strip shirts, which I didn't know that until like several years later. Wow. And I'm, and he's like, well, it's not a big deal. Why would I tell you? I'm like, wow. He goes, yes, I want to see you. So, yes, I have to go through that if I want to see you. And I want to see you. So, yes, I just put myself through that search. So, it's, yeah, uh, there's gone- no privacy at all in prison right i've gone to visit jesse and we don't get contact visits we have to talk on the phone mm-hmm. with plexiglass between us um but I, I don't mind going through that because it's keeping me safe it, because if they're doing that to me they're doing that to everybody so yes. nobody's bringing weapons or drugs or anything in. it's also keeping them safe in, in a way because since we don't have contact visits there's nothing I could bring in to give him because right. we don't have contact. Yeah. Right. So. Right. There, is there a dress code? I'm sorry, what? Is there a dress code? Because I heard in some prisons, they're like, no, if you show up in the wrong clothes, you have to have extra clothes to change. Yes. <laughs> what? Luckily, this blows luckily, my head. Yeah, luckily, I haven't been told to go change. Um but they, but they put a huge list on the TDC website that says they want you to dress appropriately. Um, you can't come in shorts. Um, you can't come in uh, um, tight-fitting clothes. You can't come in spaghetti straps. Like in Texas? Top. In Texas, in the heat. You can't, go, yeah. you can't wear shorts. No. And even though we have visitation outside, because you can do visitation outside uh-huh. and 100-degree weather and... Uh, but even then, people complain and we go inside. So that's the whole reason why you end up waiting outside until it's your turn. Because nobody wants to sit outside in 100 degree weather. Right. And so, no, they don't care. They don't care what weather it is. They don't care if it's freezing. They don't care if it's raining. If you are not in the appropriate clothes, you will be, you'll be sent back. Even and if you just anything. drove like two hours? <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't care. Wow. That's they awful. don't care. Is it yeah. like appropriate to the 1950s or because I've heard it's some pretty 
random things that you can't have. They can be like, no, there's too much showing, mm -hmm. even though it's just a shirt. And, you know, um, I yep. yeah, they can. Um, I, I go, when I go, I go in uh, pretty much my office entire. So I wear my slacks and my loafers and mm -hmm. my shirt that's all the way up to here, <laughs> all the way up to my neck. Mm -hmm. I have to cover my, my, my cleavage, no cleavage showing. Because, um, and then, you know, children are the same. They don't, they try to separate families with children away from pedophiles who are in there um, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they try to position everybody the way they want uh, when you're sitting down. So if you if you are dressed inappropriately, what the what they started doing was giving you a hospital gown, those okay. little classic surgical gowns, mm -hmm. and they'll and that look it covers you from head to toe, and they make you wear that. They don't care how your hair looks. Um, they started checking everybody's glasses. And I didn't understand. I didn't understand that. Like what's on my glasses that you need to see? Mm. So I thought that was kind of odd. Mm. Uh, they don't care about your earrings. Um, they really just care how you look. They don't want you enticing the inmates. You know, okay. enticing the inmates in my little air quotes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, they don't care about the shoes you wear. Uh, they just really care about if you're going to uh, cause a stir within the inmate population. Okay, you know, isn't that? To me, it just sounds like rules to make the people in prison look really bad, as if, you know, yes. they cannot, as if they're not people. Right. As if yes. they can just by looking at someone, having mm -hmm. their knees showing, will make mm -hmm. them go crazy. Right. Which yeah, I like don't they can't think control is, themselves. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, has it ever happened? I mean, I think that's. It's uh, upsetting to me. I think it's very degrading to the people in prison and to the people trying to come and visit. Yes. That, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. They, they really do a lot out of their way to discourage you from showing up again. Um, and, uh, you know, and I've told them, and, and I've, I've been upset with the, the guards before, And I haven't made a scene, but they don't, but I've had an attitude and I try to, I try to uh, not have an attitude and try to understand their position. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and I'll give you a good example. When um, I buy food, because when you're visiting, you can get food out of the vending machines. So I can go and get, you know, just junk out of the vending machines. Well, they won't let you take the packages to the table. So you have to unwrap everything and put it on a plate and they have to inspect it. Well, for a while they were unwrapping it for you. So they had plastic gloves on. So I made a comment to uh, a guard that said, you know, one, you're touching my food. My food has peanuts on it. You don't know if the next person after me has a peanut allergy and you're touching that food that you just touched with mine, you're mm -hmm. touching theirs. And he just looked at me like I was, like I was crazy. And basically just got, get out of my line. Let's go. They didn't, they don't care. So you have to be really careful uh, when you're going. Uh, you have to follow the rules. You have to, you, you basically just have to follow the rules and just kind of put up with it. If you want to see your, 
your family member because <clears throat> at any given moment, if they don't like your attitude and if you cause a lot of uh, uh, chaos, then they'll just kick you out and then you're banned from visiting. Wow. So on the one hand, you have to control your temper. And at one point I didn't control my temper and Jesse had to step in and talk to the guard and the guard just kind of blew me off. So, and that happened a few years ago, but I was so mad. But, oh my God. And so I was so mad. So, and I bet rightfully so, you know, mm-hmm. why would you yeah. get so mad if people treat you with respect? And, and I, yeah. I don't, I was thinking about this, like, obviously if you're incarcerated, you lose some of your rights most, but also yes. even knowing a loved one, you lose your, you know, basic rights, your uh, right to have, you know, boundaries, and you have to do because because your loved one is, you know, taken hostage. You have to uh, comply with with all these rules, and I it just makes me uh, angry. So, oh yeah, just, oh, just, yeah. do you ever feel like um, they treat you like you're you're guilty by association? Oh yeah, oh yes, and they're like. Why are you coming to see him? You know, and they and they don't have to say it. It's just the way they look at you. Yeah. Do you? It's do like, you why, feel why that? Why do somebody? Anybody here? But do you feel that when um, in general society, when people find out, do yeah. you feel that mm-hmm. way? Yeah, and yeah, I do, and so that's why why I don't discuss it a lot with anybody unless I'm really close to them. Hmm. Um, because just general acquaintances, they don't understand. I mean, they really don't. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't want to have to answer 50 billion questions that they ha- they may have and be very judgmental about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you get this look of, well, why would you do that? Why would you put yourself through that? And, uh, and I've been asked that before. I mean, I think Bob asked me, um, in a roundabout way, it's like, you know, you know, why, why are you staying? I'm like, one, for one, Jesse and I have history. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I do love him. Um, three, he's innocent. And four, I want an opportunity for us to be together. This will be our third time of trying to be together. And we're both are older now. We're both more mature now. Mm-hmm. Um, we both live, pretty much lived separate lives. But we've always had one common goal was, is that we want an opportunity to see if it works or not. And, um, and this, and it is unconventional. It's not a way to run a marriage. Um, we don't have the intimacy that other marriages have. Mm-hmm. Um, we have nothing but our communications. And I've told Jesse that if we can't talk, if we cannot communicate, then how are we going to make our marriage work on the, when we, when we do see each other? Right. So, and that's well, what it's the biggest thing to you. We didn't, he didn't have a lot of communication with all his with his relationships, and neither did I. So we learned a lot in these last fifteen years on how to build a marriage and what we wanted out of this marriage mm-hmm. and what we think this marriage will. Um, well, I'm very you know, hopeful. I'm very hopeful that you'll get to find that out soon. I hope so. I hope so too. Is there? Okay, a, we still have a green team. I was going to say, is there appeal and process from what I'm hearing, or? Um, there's a writ, a writ. Um, yeah, the writ of habeas that's being prepared right now from what we understand. 
but I don't, I'm not sure when it's going to be submitted. So, and that's when, <laughs> sorry, I think that's what really bugs Jesse the most is that, um, and it bugs me too, because I can't ask questions. Um, and I've gotten shut out from all of that. And so is Jesse. Um, sometimes Jesse will have knee jerk reactions and I try to tell him not to do that. Mm-hmm. I get emotional and I ask 50 billion questions and I get really upset. And Kathy can tell you, I've been extremely upset. And, um, and, I'm, and it doesn't sound, things don't sound right. And so I'm constantly asking questions over and over. Um, and I've been shut out of the process now because of that. So, and that's made me angry. So I'm mm-hmm. not very happy right now with the some project. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just, and unfortunately that's the way they work. And I'm, Jesse and I have said, okay, we will sit back. We'll be patient. We understand the writ's being done, which is great. And we'll just wait and see. Well, right now, from what I understand, they have Troy's recantation. They have Shauna and Tammy's um, alibi statements. Yes. And so all they're wait, all we're waiting for is for them to finish the writ. And then it mm-hmm. can be filed. And then the judge will make a decision. Is that, do I have that yes. right? Okay. Right. We just don't know. We don't know the uh, time frame right now, right. and so I think you know. So in the meantime, we're just kind of uh, on hold, and Jesse's patiently trying to do that, and it's it's really hard yeah. for him. He's yeah, he's not good with. But I understand because you know he turned everything over to his attorney Miller mm-hmm. in the beginning, and he just you know screwed him over basically, and then yeah. so it's hard for him to trust another lawyer. To handle and it's been it's been so many years that it's you know it's hard to have faith but you know when I talk to him he seems to have faith unless he's just putting on a show for me yes he's been on the show for you mm-hmm. and he's been on the show for Ellen mm-hmm. <laughs> no we, we we haven't discussed that so but I also think it must just be so hard for you Patricia to be an advocate but have to shut up I mean yeah. When people tell you, don't, don't worry, we got this. You know, you just need to be patient and sit down and wait. When you have been waiting for 15 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I would. Um, yeah. And I give you, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a good example. When I wasn't, when I was in the loop and I was, and um, Allison told me that, um, when Troy when Troy first recanted, and Allison was telling me that the Ensign Project was asking all these, I mean, when the DA was asking all these questions, and I said, okay, she made it seem like, and again, because we're in text and we're not talking on the phone, you lose a lot of the communication and you lose a lot of the feelings when it's in text. Mm-hmm. So I may have jumped the gun, but I'm not going to admit to that. <laughs> so. Um, Allison said after the DA heard uh, Troy's recant, um, the uh, the the DA didn't really didn't really believe him. So I I questioned Allison and I told Allison I said, well, does that mean they've never be- they've never believed him? They they've never believed in Jesse's innocent. When you told me at the beginning, they did believe in Jesse's innocent. So she had to either backtrack or remember what she said. 
And she goes, no, that's not what I said. I'm like, yes, it did. Yes, it was. So we were arguing back and forth. And I told her, I said, so, and so I finally just said, I said, so let me get this straight. They don't believe in his innocence. They don't believe Troy. They're wondering why Troy came forward after 25 years. And so now we're about right back at square one. And I'm telling you this calmly, but in my text, I was very angry and using a lot of uh, capitalized words and stuff <laughs> to show I was <laughs> shouting. And she finally just finally just said, you know what, Patricia, I can't talk to you. You're too emotional. You don't understand. And once everything is said and done, I will talk to you then. And that just that just made me more angry. But I, I shut up after that. And so I, and Jesse has done the same thing. Jesse has accused her of making cutting deals with the DA. He's accused her of, letting, of sitting back and letting the DA just take their time or drag their feet or do whatever else their process is. So Jesse's had those knee-jerk reactions. Jesse's had to pull back and, and apologize because she didn't like his tone. I've had to pull back and apologize because she didn't like my tone. But um, after all these conversations, I have run to Kathy and I've just yelled and screamed and told Kathy, you know, this isn't fair. This is ridiculous. Why can't we not know what's going on? And I think that's the biggest um the biggest frustration of all is that you have someone working on this. We're ever grateful. Mm-hmm. And if Allison's listening or does listen, we're, again, we're still forever grateful for them for all the work they've done. And we will never, ever downplay that, ever. And the same thing with Bob. But at the end of the day, we're still frustrated right. because we don't have the answers. And so, again, I told, I think I told Allison or I told Kathy, I know I told somebody, I said, you guys don't understand. I have to go back and talk to Jesse and I have to tell Jesse what I know and, or you've already told him what you know or what you don't want him to know. And I've got to hear the fallout. I've got to hear the hopelessness in his voice. I have to hear the frustration in his voice. I have to hear the anger in his voice. And it's directed at me because I'm his sounding board and I'm Mm -hmm. his wife. Mm -hmm. And he's somebody that he can trust emotionally trust to let out all those emotions I have to hear that. And then I've got to hang up after I try to talk him off that ledge and go about my business and ignore it, the feelings that I have, and have to go to work and deal with people and have to deal with my family who say, what happened? And so with my own my own immediate family, I tell them what's going on and you know we cry about it or get angry about it. But I've got to go about my day. I've got to go to work and I've got to pretend nothing's wrong. And work these hours. And so I told Jesse, I said, no, I, I don't write you a lot. And I'm sorry, but I, I, I've got to distance myself from all of this mm-hmm. because it's so frustrating. And it's hurtful because I want my husband home. And then Jesse and I have had the, the one big fight that we had that I almost called it quits because I wanted him to take parole like at eight. And I went to Kathy and told Kathy, he didn't want to take parole. I said, well, that's great. So Ed Eights gets to be with his wife this whole time. And it's three, going on three years now and waiting for the instant project. Um, but I don't get to have my husband home because you are you want to be a martyr to this stupid case. And you want to sit on your little throne and say, you know, you don't want to come home. You want to you want to come home your own way. So if you can't come home by being exonerated or, ba- or, or vacated, then you don't want to come home at all. So 
So that just shows me you, you just don't want to be here at all. So it was a huge, huge, huge fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I did something when I didn't do it. And you have to sign a paper and you have to do this and you have to take classes. You have to pay the state for being on parole. He goes, I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay, fine. Then we'll be right here in the same position two years later, which we are, mm-hmm. and you're still not going to come. I said, so what, what, and what then, Jesse? We're just going to keep writing this out? So we both come to the conclusion, yeah, we're going to write this out until Allison comes back and says, you know what, Jesse, I can't help you. Sorry. So, yeah, so it's, it, it becomes very frustrating. So eventually I had to distance myself, and mm-hmm. Jesse understands that. And just keep it very light. Hey, how's it going? It's going fine. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. And I have things that I have to go to the doctor for and watch my blood pressure. Mm-hmm. But I don't tell him. Right. I don't tell him any of that. I think one of all he does is get upset. Mm-hmm. Because he's got so much time to think. Right. He doesn't have yeah. these oh, distractions yeah. mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that you have and, you know, that I have. So he just has too much time to think and have it work on him. And, you know, and I know one of his biggest frustrations is being kept out of the loop, not being told what's going on with his case. Sure. He doesn't understand why he can't be trusted with his own case. And I, you know, I agree with him on that. I agree with him, too. That would drive me nuts, not being kept in the loop. Or say, you know, if you can't keep me in the loop, give me something to do that's positive. Like, what Mm -hmm. can I do to help? Like, I need something. I'm not going to just sit here and not do anything and just assume that you guys are going to pick up the ball and run with it. Yes. It's hard to to not be upset about that. Right. And and, and Jesse and I have talked the last 15 years before the big argument mm-hmm. about him taking parole and, and I already knew his position and I talked to him about the Alfred plea um, and that was a big no um, just anything he goes he said basically he said so you want me to do whatever I can just to get out just to get out and then what Patricia I'm like well then we'll, we'll start our family we'll work mm-hmm. we'll do what we need to do and be a couple mm-hmm. it's like in his mind he had a totally different idea in my mind, I'm thinking, one, I have my husband home. Right. Two, we can start our life together and do what we need to do with, to be happy. Mm-hmm. And his thinking was, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to shortcut this and let the state get off with not giving me what's due to me. Mm-hmm. And that's my exoneration. Now, whether this writ actually gives him his exoneration, we don't know. We don't know. I. That, yeah. but, but at this we, point, he's willing to take, he's willing to be vacated and come home. Yes. And that took a long time for him to accept that. Yeah, it did. It did a long time, a lot of convincing. Oh, my uh, God. Because even Kathy he, tried to convince him. I'm yeah. like, okay, fine. Maybe you'll listen to Kathy. And I've told him that. So why don't you talk to Kathy then? Talk to Kathy <laughs> and see if Kathy understands. Because I don't understand. Yeah, I, and I then, think, you know, you know, he wasn't understanding that vacating wasn't the same as parole. He was thinking if they vacated, he'd still have to, you know, wear an ankle monitor and pay the courts and and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And I think it just took a while to get him to understand that vacating means it's like it never happened. Mm -hmm. So um, once he understood that, I agree with him on the Alfred plea. I don't think that he should take an Alfred plea. However, parole is something different. Right. Um, you know, I, because Ed got out on parole and never admitted guilt. 
He's the first person in the state of Texas to have yeah, ever been able to do that. Wow. Jesse doesn't believe, Jesse somehow does not believe that. Right. That Ed didn't have to sign some type of certificate that said he admitted to it. And I said, okay, fine. I'm not going to argue with you anymore. And just, no, you just want to be home. You're not going to be home. In the meantime, I'm going to go on with my life and we'll just chit chat whenever we chit chat. And we've kind of left it at that for the last uh, three years now. And so we'll just pick up where we left off when he gets out. And like I'm kind said, of okay with that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he'll, he'll get his conviction overturned. Um, Allison and her students will get the writ finished. And, and yeah. um, uh, petition the courts for his release soon. Yep. I hope so. I hope so. I have a quick question. So I'm really not sure about the whole legal system. I don't know anything about a writ or anything else. How long does it take? Like, how long has she been working on How long has Innocence Project been working on this writ? And is it typically take a long time? No. From what I understand, it doesn't. But I have no idea what the hell, what the, what's been the holdup. Okay. And we've been told the writ was supposed to have been started uh, before the pandemic, right after Troy recanted. Then the, then the pandemic hit. Then Texas was shut down. And then, from what I understand, the courts got shut down. So I'm like, no, the courts didn't get shut down. They were still doing Zoom court. Mm-hmm. The court of, Criminal Court of Appeals didn't, didn't stop taking cases. So I think... Um, I, I think with the writ, it depends on how much information you're putting in. I mean, if there's a lot of information, a lot of um, petition, well, not petitions, but um, a lot of um, evidence to overturn the conviction. And the way it's written and all that is probably what's taking it so long. I think this, what, five well, years is probably a little too long? Five years? I don't know. From what I understand, they had to go back and get get re, go get back and get a new statement yeah. from the key witnesses, which was uh, Shauna and Tammy. Right. Um, Tammy being Jesse's girlfriend at the time of the murder and the mother of his uh, daughter. Um, and then uh, um, another statement from Shauna. Something happened with the first statement and they had to go redo the statement. So... We found that out, which was a big uh, disappointment. But um, so we, for what we understand, they, she does have a lot of stuff to put into the writ. And the writ are, is done by the, the student attorneys. You know, the Innocent Project is ran by the, the law clinics of the universities. So this one's at the uh, Texas Tech in, Long, in Longhorn? No, Long, not Longhorn. Longview. Longview. I'm sorry, Longview, uh, Texas. So the student attorneys, um, as part of their curriculum, or as part of their post, uh, pre-graduation, they're the ones who do the writ and help Allison with her cases. So it's not like Allison's sitting there doing everything herself. She mm-hmm. has students doing it because, one, they need, they need the credits. They need to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why it takes so long. And Jesse's been with has gone through a lot of student attorneys. 
So we've had to listen to the podcast to kind of get to know the case, get to know him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so that type of thing. So on the one hand, I say it's quick, but, you know, I really don't. I really don't know the process of the writ. Okay. I don't know if it's a template and they just jump, dump, dump the information in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you actually have to write the whole thing out. Um, so I don't really know that process. So I really can't say. Okay. I'm just guessing. <laughs> and a part of me guessing is being frustrated and going, mm-hmm. yes, it takes doesn't take that long. It's, yeah, it but, doesn't seem yeah. like it should reality, take that long. Yeah. Sure. In reality, I'm sure it takes a while. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, Jesse isn't her only client. So, yeah. Right. You know, I don't, don't know yeah. how many writs she's having written. Um, right. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, if you guys haven't figured out, Kathy's usually my voice of reason. <laughs> which I get mad at her about, like, damn it, Kathy, just be on my side. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be on, on Jesse's side, be on my side. Of, of justice. <laughs> and justice. Justice for Kiao is getting Jesse out and finding the person who actually killed her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping a lot of things come up. Um. I'm hoping a lot of things will happen with this uh, rent that we find out a lot more stuff after everything's said and done. So that would be nice. And I even told Jesse at that point, once he's out, we may not know what the process was and we may not know what happened, what happened because Allison may not be able to tell us. I want people to understand that just because you're in prison doesn't mean you're guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, our justice system is really, really messed up. Um, and if they if they don't if they don't realize anything else, I hope they do realize that not everybody in prison is guilty, and everyone deserves a second chance. So, but I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate the the questions you guys asked, and hopefully, I gave you a pretty good overview of uh, of life with a um, person who's in prison. Um, it's not all glamorous. It's not. It's very frustrating. Um, and uh, you're constantly having to be that, that cheerleader for that person. And when you're trying to get justice for them, um, sometimes you're battling it alone. And right. sometimes you have a group of people that do help you. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're still alone, um, waiting for that person to come home. It's so, got to be very draining emotionally and physically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely draining. Mm-hmm. So uh, but we make it work. We make it work as best we can. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss when new episodes are released and follow us on all social media platforms at Touched by Crime to stay up to date. Thank you, and we hope to see you again next week.